This is KMTT, Kimitzion Tetzay Torah. And this is Ezra Beck. And today's shiur on the Ramban, on Pashat HaShavua, and we've reached Pashat Va'era. But before we begin, I would like to take a few minutes of your time to discuss something else. To discuss Kemach. As Chazal said, Ain Kemach, Ain Torah. You need flour in order to have Torah. And this week is our annual, once a year, KMT Appreciation Drive Week. So I'm going to take a few seconds of the KMTT Torah time in order to ensure that we'll be back next week with more Torah time. KMTT, which has been in existence for the last three years, is a public Torah podcasting network. In other words, its only means of financial support, its only means of material support, is the public, the listening public, the community. And I think it's fair to view KMTT as a community. Myself, the other people who give Shurim on KMTT, and the, the listeners, the people who receive it on a daily basis. We form a community, and our community project, our joint community project, is KMTT. Let me right now, before we get too lost in this podcast, give you the important addresses. First of all, on the web. You can get more information and, and different addresses and phone numbers, etc. The homepage of KMTT is www.kimitzion.org. That's www.kimitzion.org. And I'll immediately mention the phone number of the office in New York, the Shifat Haaretzion office in New York, where you can again get more information or Use the phone to donate by credit card. 212, that's the New York area code. 212-732-4874. If you're in Israel, we have a phone that's manned around the clock to help you make donations. The number is 525 Back to my message. I don't want to talk too much about this. We're in the the teaching Torah business. But this is once a year, and it's only once a year. And the entire year of KMTT, there are 200 broadcasts a year, more or less. Every day, five days a week, half an hour a day. Depends on the contributions, the appreciation, the donations that we will receive in the next coming days. And so, even though we don't have a, such a direct contact here, you have to, I'm counting on the initiative of the listeners. When you get a chance, when you get to a, a, a desk, when you get to a computer, when you get to a phone, please remember to make the effort, not leave this for, for next year. Make the effort to make sure that we stay in business.
how much do we expect you to give, I, I leave that up to you. It's an appreciation drive. I like to think that you could do a calculation of if this was a real shield. It is a real shiur. If it was a real human being giving the shiur, well, I am a real human being. If there was a human being standing in front of you giving a shiur and you had to go there by coffee or you, you drank a cup of coffee during the shiur, how much would that cost you? Multiply that by 200. But anything will be accepted. We've sort of set basic membership as 50, between 18 and $50. And any contribution above that will be appreciated. Those of you who have been blessed with the ability to make a serious contribution to the Torah, not only of yourselves, your own appreciation, but to support the Torah of the hundreds of people. We have several hundred listeners today. So make a, make a, a, a philanthropic contribution and join the KMTT Honorable. But I hope everybody who's listening, who gets something out of this, who appreciates it in some way, We'll make an appropriate contribution. And with that, we're going back to the today's shiur, Ramban, the Pashat Va'ira. Last week was Pashat Shemot. I was ill, and I did not give the shiur. Uh, but this week we're back. Uh, I'm more or less back. Bezvat Hashem. Todalakel. And therefore, I'm leaving out Pashat Shemot. We're going straight to Pashat Va'ira. In the beginning of Pashat Va'ira, God says to Moshe, Vani Akshayat Leiparo. God tells Moshe that it's not going to be that easy. It's going to be a bit of a process before Paro agrees to let the Jews out. He shouldn't be so, too uh, dejected or disappointed at his lack of initial success. And among other things, One of the reasons why Paro will not quickly send the people out is because I will harden the heart of Paro. As the Ramban points out, there is a famous question that everybody talks about. It's not that Ramban is not inventing anything new when he asks this question. Everybody asks this question. If God is hardening Paro's heart, thereby preventing him from sending the Jews out of Egypt, then what is Paro's sin? And it's clear that there is a sin of Paro because he's being punished for not doing it. So why is he, if we would cut to the, the final line, why is Paro being punished for not sending out the Jews when he seems to have no free will and no free choice? Because God has, I have hardened Paro's heart. In the beginning of his discussion, the Ramban quotes a Medrash. Amrubi Medrash Rabba. Point number one is that it's not immediate, but God has told Moshe Rabbeinu that in the future this will take place. He will harden his heart. But a second midrash, and this is the more crucial one. It's a different pasuk. It's a pasuk that comes up later, but it says more or less the same thing. And I have uh, made his heart heavy or strong. This pasuk, and I will harden his heart, is is an opening 
for the heretics to claim, obviously Rabbi Yochanan is not, is not sympathetic, but he points out, yes, there is a, there is a, a crack in which the heretic can enter here to claim that Paro did not have the ability to repent. Because God says he's hardening his heart. Among Rav bin Lakish, Rish Lakish said to Rav Yochanan, Yisatem pihen shel minim, their mouth should be sealed. Ela imla leitzim hu yelitz. What's a pasuk in Mishlei? Which basically means God fools around with the fools. Or God scoffs with the scoffers. The way that you go, God doesn't turn you around. He continues your own choice. Matrebo pam rishona v'shniya u'shlishit ve'inochozelbo God warns him once, twice, three times. And nonetheless, he does not repent. And then, after those three times of totally free will, God locks the door of repentance so that he can um, claim from him, he can collect from him, in other words, punish him for the sins that he has done. So to Paro, after five times, being the first five uh, plagues, and he, he, God sent him a message, but he didn't pay attention. God said to him, You have hardened your own neck and made your own heart heavy. I will add defilement to your defilement. I will strengthen that which you have already chosen to do. Okay, that, that, that's the Medrash which treats this question. Here's Ramban's explanation of that Midrash. Ramban has a complicated, multi-level explanation of what appears to be a straightforward Midrash. Ramban says, V'yesh bo shnei ta'amim u'shneihem emet. There were two different answers, two different explanations here, both of which are true. As I think we've seen in the past, although perhaps not as explicitly as this, the Ramban has no compunctions about offering, even to a given word, multiple explanations. In fact, most Rambans, I think, have more than one explanation. And very often the Ramban will say, or something very similar to that. Here is not an explanation of a word, but a answer to a philosophic question. Shinehememet. The first. So the first answer says that Paro is being punished for the evil he did to the Jews before Moshe Rabbeinu came to him. The enslavement, which was accompanied by, by bloodshed and torture and and extreme cruelty. So Paro is, was a Vasha. He was evil for those things that he did. Therefore, as part of his punishment, it is proper to prevent him from the possibility of repentance so that apparently he should be punished. In other words, 
It's not a simple point here. There's a, there's a definitely an interesting philosophical moral question being raised here. There is something called teshuva, called repentance. If a person is evil, has committed crimes and sins and transgressions, and then he genuinely, I have to stress that word, he genuinely repents, so God accepts the repentance. And he can achieve atonement and forgiveness. And therefore his sins will, will not be requited. He will not have to pay for his sins. That's one of the great principles of Judaism. Chazal were aware of the fact that that can cause a certain measure of a feeling of unfairness. Two people, one who struggles all his life to be good, the other one has a time of his life and then one minute repents and that's it. Everything disappears. Although you may feel that way, because I'll say it's true though. Yes, God accepts the heartfelt, genuine repentance of his children. But, apparently there's a level of evil where it's really, it would be wrong for this mechanism to work. Now you might say, okay, so then it doesn't work, but that's not true. Repentance always works. But, there's a contradiction between the attribute of repentance and God's mercy on the repentant and the attribute of justice. It's a very, it's a very interesting thing in Judaism, that it's not as if there's a right answer to every question. There are contradictions, at least on our level, contradictions between different goods. On the one hand, it's absolutely right and good, and it's the mercy of God that He accepts anyone who repents. On the other hand, yes, there, there, there is something to the complaint of Midat Adin, of, of strict justice, that says there's something wrong here that even heartfelt and genuine, I'm talking about fake repentance, even genuine repentance allows one to escape payment for one's crimes. I just want to point out in this context that although God accepts repentance, the human court does not, including the Jewish human court. If someone commits a crime that's uh, um, judged in a bed din, and he says he's sorry, and he means it. He does tshuva. It's all very nice. And we'll give him a big geshekayach for doing tshuva. And we'll also punish him as the original punishment. Tshuva doesn't work in the system of justice, although it does work in God. And therefore, in certain cases, what Ramban here refers to as Ra'ot Gdolot Chinam, Paro has treated, has, has dished out to the Jews great and unnecessary Chinam, for no reason, evils. In such a case, it is obligatory prevent him from doing tshuva. If he will do tshuva, he will get away with it. It's not right. And therefore, God, yes, in fact, uh, suspends the free will of Pharaoh. God takes over Pharaoh's heart so that he not do tshuva. He is not punished for what he does in that 
under those circumstances. That's the that's the point of the question. The question is why punish Pavel when he has no free will? The answer is he is not punished for the actions that he committed without free will. The fact that he did not let the Jews go. He is not punished for that. He's being punished now in these ten plagues for the actions of the previous hundred years or fifty years or whatever. And that's a proper punishment. He could have gotten out of it. God doesn't let him out. That's the first answer. I, I basically just quoted it. There's a lot to think about here as to, as to how values can conflict and how does God, in this particular case, judge which value to uh, adopt and which value, in this case, to avoid. Right? God doesn't ignore the value of repentance. But he avoids it. He evades it. By not letting Pavel do tshuva. But in any event, in terms of the philosophical question, how one can be punished for actions which one does not commit freely, the answer is, Pavel is being punished for actions he did commit freely. Previously, he's not being punished for being a refusenik, for refusing to do God's will. He's being punished for being a cruel tyrant and murderer to the Jewish people. But now the man gives a second reason. This one, I think, is, is even more subtle. This is taking off what Rish had said five times and then another five times. Raman says the first five makot, 100% free will. doesn't say that God hardened Paro's heart in the first five plagues. It says... Paro's heart was hardened, meaning that Paro hardened his own heart. And Paro made his own heart heavy, solid. Paro was own free will, aside from the previous oppression. He chose not to send out the Jews, although he had been asked to explicitly by God. He refused to act in accordance with God's honor. Aval, ka'asher gavru ha-makot alav ben-izbal izbogotam. What happens? The makot, the plagues continue, and at some point, Paro is broken by the pain, by the suffering of the plagues. Rach libo, then his heart was softened, and he was considering to send them, but why to send the Jews out? because of the pressure of the plagues, not because he wished to do God's will. In other words, after the first five plagues, power is indeed at the breaking point. But what does he mean a breaking point? He's not at the point where he is about to acknowledge that he is uh, morally responsible and obligated to do God's will. He's not being broken or not being affected by the righteousness of God or by the honor of God in the Ramban's language, Kvod Hashem. He's being affected by the pain that he's suffering. As Hashem et At that point, God hardened his Spirit and strengthened his heart. Different terms, if you notice. Hardened his spirit and strengthened his heart. The man saperishimo, so that 
the drama of the Makot, which will be a Kiddush Hashem, because God's name will be discussed, will be told amidst the Jews and amidst other peoples of the worlds, and that's a reason for what God is doing. God wants that to take place. As God says, in a totally different context. And I will be magnified and I will be sanctified and my, I will become known in the eyes of many nations. In other words, God has an interest here in doing great actions in, in Mitzrayim. And if Pavel will agree to send him out after the fifth plague, you're going to lose that dramatic uh, episode. Of course, if he had genuinely done Shuva, then Ban is implying... God would have accepted it. But he's not doing tshuva, he's simply breaking down. And apparently there's a very, very significant moral difference between tshuva, but whereby you say, I have sinned against God, and I realize I've sinned against God, and therefore now I accept upon myself the obligation to do His will, or where one says, okay, I'll say I sinned against God so that He'll get off my back. Ramban here is saying, that acting properly because you fear God's might doesn't count. And hence, I think the proper explanation of Ramban is a discussion in the commentaries what Ramban here means is not that God, okay, hardened his heart, meaning didn't let him do tshuva. I don't think that's what it means this time. I think, Hiksha et rucho. He strengthened his heart. He gave Pavo the fortitude, the strength of character, not to break down from suffering. You might say he did Pavo a favor. Pavo is about to do something he doesn't believe in merely because he doesn't have the strength to continue standing up for his, so to speak, principles. He would like to defy God, but he's just too weary and broken. God helps him out and gives him the strength. He doesn't take away his free will. Power's free will is to defy God. But will is not enough. The spirit may be willing, but the flesh needs to be able. God helps the flesh out. God gives power the strength of character to carry out what his true plan is. So it's a different shot than the first time. The first time said that God took away his free will. Here he's not just moving it five plagues later. The first parish says that Paro sinned in the enslavement and had no free will for the ten plagues. You might think the man is saying, second version, but then it's really the same thing, just moving a date, is that Paro sinned in the first five plagues and then the next five plagues he had no free will. But then, then the man hasn't said another reason at all. It's the exact same philosophic answer. I think the man is saying something else here. The first parish says that Paro sinned and then lost his free will as part of his punishment. The second one says that Paro sinned and now is at a point where he would like to continue sinning. He just doesn't have the strength to keep dragging and taking those blows that God is giving him. And were he to cease now, it would not constitute tshuva at all. And therefore, there's no particular reason why God has to accept his tshuva. On the other hand, the Ramban hints, God is interested in doing more 
signs and wonders, more plagues. Because there's a political plan here of God wishes His name to be manifest to the entire world because of the wondrous things that are taking place in Egypt. But for that, He needs a partner. He needs Paro to stand up so that God can knock him down. Paro doesn't want to stand up. Not because he wants to do God's will, but because he doesn't want to get knocked down. God helps him stand up. It's like a picture of uh, you know, two boxes. Every time I knock you down, I help you up so I can knock you down again. I'm not taking away your free will. If you don't want to stand up, you won't stand up. I'm just helping you. And that's what is being done here. It's a different et leif paro. It doesn't mean et leif paro. I will harden his heart so he has no free will. I will harden his heart to give him and say it as though it was a good thing. He will have the strength and the fortitude and the spirit of character to be tough. Of course, it's in this particular case, it's in the service of sin. But in terms of character, it's exactly the same thing as strength and fortitude of character to do good things. You persevere despite the price you're paying. And Pavel now is going to persevere despite the price he's paying. For five times he did it on his own. He was a tough character. He got through the first five plagues. But eventually it's going to be too much. God will give him the strength to keep going so that the Makot can keep taking place. It has nothing to do with sin. It has nothing to do with sin. Or, or let me put it this way, it's not because he sinned so greatly. He has sinned and he will continue sinning. God is helping him do the sin by giving him the physical means to stand up and oppose God. God helps Paro defy God. So why did God tell Moshe now, before the, the first five plagues, that he's going to do that? This apparently is the Ramban's reason to interpret differently than you might have assumed. If He's being punished for the previous five plagues, for the previous uh, oppression of the Jews. So God tells him now there's going to be plagues and he has no free will. But if it's only going to take place after the next five plagues, then why is God telling Moshe Rabbeinu that I will strengthen his heart now? He says, you know, no particular reason the man says. He's simply telling him the future. He's telling him now the plan for the whole ten makot, but it has no immediate relevance until five will go by. The man's proof of this is that God says to Moshe, I will strengthen his heart and I will increase my signs and wonders. What's the connection? It's not that I will harden his heart and I will punish him a lot. The hardening his heart is in order not to allow punishment. We're not dealing in sin now. But we're dealing in Kiddush Hashem, in the signs and the wonders. The hearts of kings are in the hands of God. To whatever he, God, wishes, he will uh, tilt it, he will uh, turn it. Okay, so the mind has presented two very, very different answers here. And I think both of them raise interesting philosophical and moral questions. The first one concerns whether or not it's justified in not allowing a person to use 
something else which is also justified. Tshuva is correct. It's beautiful. Is there a reason why a person should not be allowed to do tshuva? Because he has so much gone overboard in his sins beforehand. As one points out, Chazal mentioned this in other places, there is a principle like that. The second answer is indeed an interesting one. Im laletzim hu yalitz. Vani mosif tuma al tumato. If somebody chooses an evil path, is it conceivable that God aids him in his path? Baderech sh'adam bochel alechet molichin Of course, we know the opposite is also true. We expect the opposite to be true. If someone sins, we have a principle that God will perhaps punish him or do something else to get him to do tshuva. That's, that's essential in Judaism. That God calls us back to him. But apparently, for special reasons, and in our case the reason is, Leman Rabot Ototai, Leman Rabot Muftai Be'eretz Mitzrayim, if you've made a serious choice to go in one direction and you're simply running out of steam, then it's very possible that rather than pull you back, God will in fact give you the steam that you lack. Thereby, and here's the point I want to stress, not reducing your Bechirach of shit, but in fact ensuring your Bechirach of shit. By giving you the physical means to carry out your will, God makes your free will significant. Because what sense and what meaning does free will have if I don't have the strength to carry it out? The fact that people agree to do that, which they have no choice, or they agree not to do that, which they can't do anyhow, is hardly an act of free will. God grants Pavel the power to sin, thereby restoring his free will, according to the second explanation, and not, and not, and not reducing or annulling it. Ramban wants us to read the next two parashiyot, Pa'era and Bo, in this light. Personal relationship between God and Pavel. Obviously there's political and national story going on here. There's also a personal story that's taking place. What is God doing to Pavel when he, when he gets in his kishka, so to speak? He's taking him out of the sphere of Bechirach of Shit of free will, or he in fact is freeing him from the, uh, the, the, the bonds which in this world do reduce our free will, and specifically to Paro, God is increasing his effective means of exercising free will. Interestingly enough, the two Perushim Ramban gives are opposites, and interestingly enough, the Raman says, Shinehem Emet. They may be opposite, but they're not contradictory. Both answers to the question are true. I suspect, and I'll leave it to you to figure out how I can possibly mean this, that not only are both answers to the philosophic question true, but both explanations of God's conduct with Paro are true. Both things can take place at one and the same, at one and the same time. And that's it for today. We'll be back next week with more than Ramban. And once again, I'm taking this opportunity 
to be a little bit of a nudge, please remember. KMTT Appreciation Drive Week. Go to the site www.kimitzion.org or pick up a phone. Your office in New York, 212-732-4874. Our number in Israel, 0525-456-023. There are addresses for other countries, for Canada, for England. By mail, by phone, on the site there is a means of using your credit card to donate electronically. You don't even have to pick up a phone. You follow the link to donate. Please send in your donations now. Join us. Be with us together as we build and continue to build this international Torah Broadcasting Network, Kimitzion Tetzei Torah, Udvar Hashem Yerushalayim. Kol Tov.